Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Banks. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computex. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing teams. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Sajil Kreshi here with another episode of RevOps 500. Uh, today, we are extremely honored and I'm really just personally excited to be talking to a product marketer. She's an experienced graphic designer, an expert at client services. Uh, she was a 2021 top woman in media tech trailblazer honoree. And right now she's the director of marketing at Seltra. Uh, Nikki Gertner, welcome to RevOps 500. Hi, Sajil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. So let's uh, let's just jump right into it, Nikki. So uh, the one question I'm going to ask you is, what is one RevOps myth? Yeah, um, it's such an interesting thing, right? Because like I was, I was thinking about like myths and stories and storytelling, and you know, I, I think when it comes to RevOps and it comes to marketing, so much of that has to do with storytelling. Um, so I think like the myth that I would like to get into, I guess, today is that um, RevOps is just like one team with one specific function. Um, I want to debunk that myth because I believe that RevOps is actually a very cross-departmental team with many different functions that ultimately culminate in a story, right? A narrative, uh, something that, um, you know, is, is going to be used by some stakeholder to prove, have some proof points that something was driven, something, you know, or, or was not driven and, and, and some data can be used to, to make a decision and move forward. Um, so, so that's kind of the myth I'd like to debunk is that RevOps is just like one team, one person. So if, if, I mean, that's, that's a good one. I've never, I've never heard that one before, Nikki. So, I mean, like if, if RevOps is more than just one team and one person, who are the other people commonly in there besides yeah. just like the, the RevOps team, I guess you want to call it right, like the, the marketing analysts. team, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, first team that comes to my mind that is completely integral to the way that I, you know, I've ever experienced uh, RevOps in general was uh, like a, da a data insight team, a DI team. Okay. Um, I, you know, I often kind of come across this idea of uh, having a centralized uh, data intelligence platform, right? Like either you have a really great one or you don't, but if you don't have a team within your organization that's helping other people navigate that platform, and, and kind of figuring out like where to go to get the proof points, get those data points to tell a proper story, then your marketing team has nothing to say. Your sales team has nothing to pitch. There's, there's I think, a really critical role held by DI teams and just data insights uh, for the entire function of RevOps. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the first group that comes to my mind that's part of that uh, collaborative journey. Um, Obviously, you've got, you know, like your 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 marketing teams, your copywriters, your designers, um, the teams that are sort of synthesizing this content and and making it something digestible for for someone to to read or to watch. Um, but again, yeah, that would they wouldn't have anything to uh, synthesize if it wasn't for that DI team 
providing, uh, you know, the analysts, the rev ops, uh, the marketers, something to work with. Um, so yeah, shout out to everybody who's a DI person. <laughs> you guys are the you guys are the real heroes. <laughs> so so when when you when you talk about DI people, I mean it's it's these are the people who are putting all of the all of the information together for rev ops people, customer success people, sales marketing to make better decisions right it's not some sort of like really statistical qualitative private research lab team or anything like that right i i would and i mean that you know i guess if if there is some external team that is is doing this job for an organization i can imagine at like larger organizations that must happen um in my sure. own experience you know and I've, I've only kind of ever worked at like the smaller companies um but having someone internally that you know, not only like knows the the business insight system, um, but can teach other people how to navigate that system and how to, you know, pull information from it. If it's someone externally doing that, more power to them, you know, as long as they can kind of communicate that. Um, and and the, uh, the, the internal team has, you know, a, a solid connection with that person and can ask them questions on the fly, can, you know, um, maybe, you know, get on a, a Zoom call and, and have them walk them through a dashboard, stuff like that. I've found that to be so important, just having, you know, like a solid relationship with a data insights person. Um, you know, even if you're not the analyst, you're not the person who has to kind of look at this data and come to some sort of conclusion, just having someone who can walk you through that tool so that you know where to look and what to look at and you know even the, the minutiae of just like what the data is is pulling in and from where um it's just so important because otherwise like there's no context um and then you know those rev ops teams if, if it's on them to create content or you know provide direction to designers and copywriters and things like that it all really just stems back from being able to understand that uh that business insight so um yeah, internally, I've I've seen uh, having that DI connection. It's almost as important as having, I think, a good relationship as a, a RevOps person or a marketer with your product team. They're just sort of another function of the product team. Um, and hopefully those things just really like layer in really neatly together. Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, they, 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 are, they layer in kind of like, it's like, it's an extension of like the product marketing team, that data insights person or like the, the people who are, getting you the information that you need, turning all the analytics data from different websites or whatever yeah. into some sort of information from the CRM into actually something which can be tangible. That's definitely, they're definitely part of every part of the RevOps operation problem. Yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, like when it comes to that, I mean, that, that can also, that also does wean into the technical a little bit, right? I mean, like, you know, and, and working in like different marketing technology platforms and all those sorts of things. I mean, even in RevOps, I mean, you know, you probably, as a product marketer, you know, you deal with a lot of that stuff too, right? So, I mean, like, what what sort of technical things keep you up at night from, like, a marketing technology perspective, I mean, in oh, any man. capacity? Yeah, I mean, I think keeping me up at night, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but the um, the disparity of the data sets that exist mm. across multiple platforms, right? Like, that... I don't know. I'm just like kind of a very uh, buttoned up person to begin with. So when I think about that, there might be, um, you know, differences between information we have on a, a certain user in one of our, you know, uh, CRMs versus another, 
it, it, that kind of keeps me up at night. Um, sure. but again, having that, um, having that DI person who pulls all the systems together and can kind of create just a, like at a glance, high level view of all this information that, that you do have access to that helps, you know, and, and then just like keeping in mind that there might be, you know, some misconnections, some things that like don't quite line up. Uh, and and trying to like work around that, I think that's that's like the most stressful part. I know in a lot of um, the communications I do as a product marketer, um, there's there's certain things that uh, people are opted in for, people are opted out for. So that would be like a nightmare, right? If if that information mm. that of someone being opted in or opted out is incorrect in one of our systems, but um, another one of our systems has has the correct information. Um, so really, just having something to to look at. And just see everything from that bird's eye view is super helpful in, in order to just kind of send the right, you know, the right message, the right comms um, and not piss people off. <laughs> so how do you how do you solve a problem like that with discrepancies in, in data? How do you how do you solve those sorts of issues? Great question. Um, I think, you know, I've seen I've seen it get solved in two ways. Um, the first way is to scrap the system and start fresh. Right. Wow. Like if you, yeah. And which I do not recommend, <laughs> like definitely it's like the nuclear codes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like blow up your whole system. Um, this was something that, yeah, I mean, I'll even, I'll even say like, I, I have experience in trying to do this where we had tried to migrate all of our, uh, information about, you know, certain, uh, feedback and, and product analysis and stuff like that, um, into Airtable, which I love, mm. like love that platform. It's really great, but um, taking, you know, taking that information from multiple sources and then just cutting those sources off, right? We're, we're not even going to use those anymore. That That's asking a lot. Like that's, you know, that there's some legacy systems and other teams that use those programs for other reasons. Um, so I definitely don't re recommend just kind of like blowing up your system and starting afresh unless there's something really, really inherently wrong with your current system and, and you know it's not working and no one, you know, no one's successfully collaborating or getting any information from that. Um, the refocusing of like what information is actually important um, and, and how reliable, you know, certain information is versus other information, uh, if that makes sense, like just trying to sort of pivot the narrative so that, you know, even if you are aware there is like some discrepancy in data, like maybe there's something else, some other point of a common thread that, you know, you can kind of latch onto. And I think that's just like a huge part of RevOps to begin with, right, is, is finding that common thread and rolling with that and running with that and turning that into like a, a repetitive message that, you know, go-to-market teams can can say and sales teams can say and um you know, just having, you know, no one, no one really wants to see behind the curtain anyway of like where that data is, is, lines up or doesn't. So just having like mm. one solid, I, I would say like no one, no one who it isn't their job to do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're not really interested in the, in the, um, in the ingredients. They just care about the dish, right? The final like, <laughs> meal. Um, so, so to serve up that dish, yeah, just having like one, um, one thing to stick to and just being confident that like that, you know, data set is, is, is reliable and true. That's, that's sort of like the most important part I'd say to, a uh, the, the journey of, of keeping all, all those data sets together. But 
yeah, as I said before, it's not something, I don't think it's something RevOps can do alone. I think, yeah, there, there are many teams that are touching that idea of, you know, are we looking at the right data? Are we synthesizing that data into the right content? And then are we disseminating that, that content out uh, to the right audiences? Yeah. So can you, can you think of a, yeah, I'm going to go back to the, the, nobody cares about the, the ingredients that care about the dish. So, I mean, like, <laughs> can you, can you give like a specific example of, of, of where you, of where you've done that, where, you know, you said, okay, you know, like we, we had this situation where, where, you know, the ingredients didn't necessarily add up, but we still made a great dish for the people who, who needed to eat. Oh, can you man, come up? Yeah. Do, you have any, do you have a specific like that, or so you have, <laughs> yeah, so you could, have a couple? I don't know. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could, I could, I, I think I can talk towards that. Um, also, All I'm right. just like getting hungry thinking about the dishes. Um, but um, no, I think uh, like a really, really, like a, a really like close topic to me is something that's sort of like been my baby while I've been at Seltra has been um, a creative insights report that we publish on a, a quarterly basis, and. Um, the information that we're collecting from our users is, you know, there, there's only so much that's visible to us because our users have access to a lot of different types of web inventory. You know, maybe uh, there's like in-app inventory or mobile web, um, maybe it's video player inventory, stuff like that. Um, but we at Seltra kind of can't really see past uh, their wall, right? Like whatever they do and whatever, like that that's information that they would have to tell us. So in order to, you know, really even craft any kind of insights, we're kind of, we, we were kind of going into this blindly without having that layer of information of sort of what happens after Seltra uh, and, and how to narrow that into, um, you know, uh, like a, an actual like an actionable narrative of like, and this is what we see for this channel. And this is what we see for this, uh, you know, um, serving method and stuff like that. Um, so not having that information at first was kind of like a huge blocker. I had no idea how I was even going to try to create insights if I didn't have specific, uh, you know, funnels to be looking at that data through, um, you know, sitting down and thinking about it for a little while, um, there, there, there had to be this commonality that we came up with some sort of like proprietary way of looking at all of this information without having, um, you know, the minutia of, of what happens next. Um, and so my solve was to sort of come up with my own system of classification, uh, of, of, um, I guess talking about like different combinations of uh, experiences and and um, goals that certain uh, advertisements were were meaning to drive. Um, so without knowing like what happens next, right? That that at least we could we could make an assumption based on what we did know we did. and kind of go from there. Um, now, did that you know did that solve everybody's problems? Of course not. There you know definitely um, the question of like well, can't we drill this down even further? And can't, like, can't we get insights into like the very specifics of what's happening in certain, you know, types of app environments, things like that. Um, yeah, it would, it, it, it's great. It would be great to be able to tell that story, but um, we just don't have that kind of insight as a, as a company um, into what, you know, what happens at that stage of, of the product 
uh, development. So um, yeah, this this like basically system of of classifying things in a sort of our own uh, like our our own vision, our own like language had to be developed. Um, which has its ups and downs, like that language, you know, it has to resonate with everyone who's then reading these insights and, and trying to take something away from it. Um, and if it doesn't make sense to them, then the insights are useless. So it, it took a lot of like workshopping and, and speaking to our clients and kind of um, gathering ideas as to how we would even build this uh, sort of system of classification. Um, but uh, as of now, you know, we're on our like fourth edition uh, that we're about to publish of this report. And I think it's been oh, wow. fun to sort of see um, the, you know, the, the readers of this report kind of agree uh, on this system of classification that, that we came up with. Um, you know, whereas maybe at first they were like, well, this doesn't really mean anything to me. Uh, after, you know, multiple iterations of the report, they kind of start to see the you know how this is applicable and and how you know if if this if this system gets applied in other ways to their own body of work then how that could translate into a narrative that they'd be able to tell but uh, yeah so i mean like it's it is that's that's like a, a significant amount of work to get to that point though i mean like you know there was probably a lot of you know scar tissue from that yeah. process <laughs> i would say it's a a full year. It's it took a full year wow. to yeah have those conversations with clients, come up with um, a system of of like how we were going to classify uh, what what we see our clients doing, um, sort of into buckets and and like the lowest common denominators there. Right. Um, there's also a uh, a fun idea of you know I deal with advertising right and uh, and Celtra platform itself is a creative management platform for creating ads. Um, those ads have to be looked at by human eyes in order to really like make certain subjective yeah. calls about like what that ad says, what it's meant to do, um, what it's meant to drive. Um, you know, as we are exploring machine learning and, and trying to see like where this is going to go, obviously that process is going to, is going to change. But, um, you know, a year or two ago, there was really no other way to do this, but sitting there manually and looking at every single, wow. you know, piece of information and, and creating these, uh, these buckets that we'd be able to classify them into. But once we did that, that could be automated. And that, uh, you know, it was sort of like the heavy lift in that year of developing this, this process and, and this sort of um, taxonomy of how we were going to classify things. And now it's just like a, a little bit easier because it's more repeatable. We, we already kind of have a handle on it. So what would you do differently now if you had to go through the process again or someone else was going through the process now? How would you handle it differently? You know, we got a lot of feedback from our clients like through the process of, of reiterating this report and sharing it. Um, yeah. I, think, I think I would have spent more time you know, upfront. Unfortunately, it would have made the sort of development process of that taxonomy last longer. But right. I think there were there could have been more deeper questions that were asked to these uh, these consumers of the report um, that would have helped us understand what a useful narrative even is, like what what uh, that reader is trying to get out of that report and and what they're trying to say and what they're trying to prove. Um, because again, like we might not have the insight into the minutiae that makes um, a certain data set like prove that 
uh, that reader's point, but maybe there's something else that we can see from some pattern or just from, from knowing, you know, certain um, account types and certain regions and things like that have like certain performance metrics that we're seeing. Maybe those kinds of things would be able to be combined to, you know, help them prove that point. Um, I think that's, that's kind of how I would do it differently. So I don't know if that really answers yeah. your question. Just the yeah, no, it does. more research, I guess. Um, yeah. Deeper, deeper research uh, and, and into it. But it's it's something I think we were able to do like as the report has continued to to develop and grow. And as we've gotten that feedback, um, we've been able to, to kind of incorporate sort of the idea of like stepping back and looking at like larger patterns and being able to say, you know, even though we can't see into this because we see this, one might assume that something, it, you else. Know, something else happens. Yeah, I know this is very, uh, This I'm not talking in specifics here. I don't know how specific I should no. get, no. but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's especially like in, in the things we're analyzing, which uh, can come down to um, really specific um, design and layout and creative details, different like combinations of uh, images and text and positioning, um, things like that. Like it's, it's, it's very, it's very much, uh, like a puzzle that ends up getting put together. So just like knowing what all those puzzle pieces would even be from the start, uh, like what, what our, our user base was looking to, to put together that, that would have been, I think where we'd spend more time. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you talk about like understanding the user base better looking into patterns seeing kind of like what you think almost like an if and then right okay i see a b and c the next likely letter i'm going to see is probably d then e then f maybe you know, obviously I'm, I'm simplifying it yeah massively but you yeah. know like it, it, it seems like that's kind of assume kind of what is which is kind of like a nice segue to the next question it's kind of like where do you see like the future of like RevOps or product marketing where do you see that going yeah. i mean do you see like I mean, what, what, what can you tell from what you've seen to where it's going to be in the future? Yeah, I think I, so product marketing, I'll start there. Cause that's, yeah. you know, been, I came into that role um, and I'd never met any of anybody else that had product marketer in their title. Um, yeah. I'd seen that it was around, but um, I, I hadn't actually like interfaced with anybody um, mm-hmm. who, who was doing that. And now like a couple of years into being a product marketer, I'd say that everyone I talk to that also is a product marketer has something different to say about their role. There's some Ugh. difference about like how they function and, and exactly what they do. Um, so like my, my hope is that there does become a little bit more standardization in this idea that like product marketing is a function of the product team. And that idea that like, data insights and product marketing need to be in constant contact and, and sort of working towards the same goals. Um, I hope that's what we see happening in the future. I think, you know, there's, there's definitely arguments to be made that that, that is the way it's going. Um, that, you know, like uh, more and more marketing teams in general are sort of being um, expanded to cover different, you know, like different functions. Um, one of those things being product marketing. So having that, that focus on, and really just having like a dedicated team towards that data and the insights you pull from it 
and how to like communicate those insights and why they matter. Um, yeah, that's that's where I, I think this is going to go. It's it's just going to become like a like a no brainer. That's just what the function of a product marketer is. Because um, I know when I came into the role, it was like, am I speaking to our existing client base? Am I speaking to prospects? Am I speaking to yeah. my internal team? Like who who is my audience? You know. Um, and I think, yeah, we're, we're going to see that uh, RevOps in general, like the audience is always going to be everyone, um, but that that needs to be like a cross-functional role that uh, the, the data insights team is helping helping tell. Yeah, and that's a, that's, I mean, that, that, that emphasis on, on using the information better, more effectively, I mean, e even with like you talked about a little bit of machine learning, artificial intelligence. I, I feel like that's probably the way it's going to go using all that information to make better human business decisions. Right. I mean, right. I think that's probably, probably a good, a good segue. I mean, to the future. Like, yeah. Wow, that's a interesting I have so many questions about it too. And yeah. I even like use my, my use case of like manually looking at different advertisements um, and, you know, making a human decision that, what is being communicated in this ad? Is, is it, is it, I'm going to go, you should go buy something or you should go um, check something out. Or um, maybe there's some sort of public service announcement being given in that message. And it's not really like an action that's being taken. Um, I look forward to, yeah, to having a future where that kind of process can be automated um, and that we, we can sort of sift through content in a in a manageable way um but at the same time the a part of me sort of fears that right because sure. <laughs> we uh you know yeah we we with so much content out there um yeah the is it is it necessarily a good idea to uh lump things uh into into categories i'm not sure um you know in our in in the reports we were trying to publish yes we needed to um, but yeah, I guess when you expand that to to much larger data sets, much larger uh, you know subsections of content, it, it's yeah, it's a good question. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, well, I mean, if, no if, one knows. I mean, nobody <laughs> yeah. knows, right? I mean, nobody nobody it's, knows. It's, it's, it's as good as answer as any, right? Nobody yeah. really knows what's going to going to happen. So let, let's 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 go back in time a little bit, Neil. Like, let's go back. I mean, so let's pretend you know you're you're going. It's like the old question, you know, you probably get from the special guest speaker in, in, in the college class or the high school class, you know, like, you know, how did you know you wanted to always be in, in marketing or in product marketing or RevOps? I mean, how, how did you, how did you get here? I mean, like, you know, it's kind of yeah. like, how, what, what, what was the journey yeah. to today almost? I think, I mean, it, it all kind of starts from um, being, I, I got a job out of college uh, in ad tech. Um, just like okay. for a company that was involved in ad tech. So I, like my journey with RevOps, with marketing, with data storytelling, any of that really starts at its core um, with the technology that is is used to like build and distribute and serve ads. Um, and I've been in that space uh, since like 2011. Wow. Um, I worked at a couple of different companies, um, both on like the technology vendor side and on the publisher side, uh, you know, wh who who has the content that is getting content. monetized versus the um, content that is doing the monetization, the monetization. On, on their sites. Yeah. So I've kind of seen like both sides of it. Um, you know, I think my first um, 
real connection with like anybody RevOps, like, or, or even just seeing the function of how um, needing to, to tell those stories about like how money is being made and, and why, and, and why that is going to um, further some initiative along or block a different initiative or be important for making a product, certain product decision, certain um, functionality of, of something. I, I started to see that firsthand when I worked for a publisher. Um, it was a much bigger organization. And I think it just, uh, it allowed me to, to kind of see a lot more people all sort of like collaborating at the same time. Um, we had a fantastic, uh, you know, their RevOps analysis. Uh, that's what their, their uh, shout out, Uchab Alam, if you're listening to this, um, he was on my podcast a couple months ago. So I got to give him a shout out, but he was, um, yeah, he was fantastic uh, in terms of, of just being able to come to me, a marketer, a more visual person. I, I was, a, you know, somewhat between like a product manager and a, um, a project manager at the time. Um, and he was able to come to me um, with just facts, just straight facts. This is, you know, this is where we're losing money. This is where we're making money. Mm. done you know um so like there that was you know critical for me in terms of like making decisions of which vendors am I going to use and like how many um rounds of revisions can I reasonably sneak through here before we start getting charged extra fees and things like that um so just like uh learning that the um the like the rev ops story that that uh that those data sets how that all kind of functioned into ultimately what became like a client facing marketing, you know, piece of collateral, um, that, that was really, really, uh, important. And like at a publisher level, like I had never seen anything like that before. Um, I think it, up until this point, right. Um, like, and so, so turning that then into more of like a product marketing role, uh, for myself, it kind of happened by accident. Um, we, uh, I, I was, I, at, while I worked at that publisher, um, one of the technology vendors that we used to, um, you know, produce and, and distribute uh, our advertisements, I was just a big fan of theirs. I really liked their product. Um, it looked like Photoshop, it acted like Photoshop, and I knew nice. Photoshop really well. So um, I just started using it all the time. And then, you know, fast forward three years later, I end up working for them. So that's how I'm, I'm at Seltra still. Um, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it, I like as a as a marketer at Seltra, I would not have been able to um, I think like even just like fulfill the role of product marketer had I not also been a user at one point. Um, mm -hmm. So so kind of being on like both sides of that and and sort of like having remained in ad tech this entire time, um, I think has really like cemented me in this in this spot. Um, I think, yeah, in, in terms of just, uh, marketing and communications and, and creating collateral and stuff, that's all been, you know, kind of a, a running thread as, as early as when I was like, you know, teenager making flyers for local shows that I'm, that oh, I'm trying to book, you know? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's the, that's a different, that's, that's marketing at its, at its finest, I'd say, but, um, the product aspect, right? The product marketing aspect, um, and being in touch with engineers and developers and and um, product managers and stuff like that, uh, that really uh, that's only been something that I've been exposed to in the past like five years or so, um, and it's been yeah, it's I think that's been like super critical for allowing me to continue on this path of of like being a 
like a specific uh specifically calling myself a product marketer, product right? Marketing. Not just a marketer or a brand marketer, or a content marketer or something like that. Um, but, but really keeping it focused on, on the product and, and, and the information we see about how that product is being used so that we can make decisions about what to do with it moving forward. I mean, like, so now let, let's, let's take that one step further, you know, let's, let's pretend that, you know, you went back in time and you talked to that that Nikki who was designing the flyers in high school or whatever, <laughs> what, what would you, what, what advice, if any, I mean, what advice would you, would you, would you give, would you give Nikki doing the flyers? Well, first of all, I'd tell her to avoid putting the flyers up on these like very specific poles that were around because I got in a lot of mm -hmm. trouble for that. Um, that was not supposed to do that. Um, but I think um, <laughs> I would tell her, I would tell her that, um, you know, I think at, at the time, um, not having had any experience um, in like the corporate world or in, in a world where um, the, the story needs to be told uh, in order to defend certain decisions or certain, um, you know, moves that are made, I would have told mm. her that like that, that data, that like that information is it can be scary but like don't get intimidated by it because like i don't know you can imagine like i you know i, I was a graphic designer um i you know i i was very passionate about comics and things like that um the idea of synthesizing you know information especially something like sensitive information about you know usage of of a certain product or how much um how much was spent, uh, how much, you know, was earned, um, that, that seemed very intimidating to me as a, you know, mm. like a production designer, uh, a, a flash designer, HTML5 designer. Um, so I think I would have told her, yeah, like, don't, don't get scared by that, that it's just another number. It's just, it's just more information that ends up getting put on that flyer. Um, and that it's, it's kind of, there's nothing to be scared of even though that spreadsheet might be really, really intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think, yeah, there's, I'm also the kind of person who um, I'll see like a tremendous amount of information and like my heart kind of seizes up a little. Like it's just, you know, there's just this like initial shock of like, oh my God, I have to go into like work mode, brain power mode and, and really kind of understand what I'm looking at. And I don't think I'm the only one in this. Like your eyes start to cross a little bit. It's like, oh God, I can't even like look at this right now. Um, but yeah, I think like as any, I don't know, as any, as any designer or content creator learns to do, um, just taking bite-sized bits of that information and working through it. Uh, I, I think that was just like a skill I had to learn. So I'd tell myself like, just chill. You're going to learn that skill. And it's, you know, you're going to have to keep working on it too. It's not like you just perfect it. Like every <sighs> data set that I get introduced to, I still feel like intimidated. Um, and still like that, you know, have to take like certain, um, steps to make sure that I'm consuming, you know, certain, like a certain chart that I'm spending certain time with, with that chart and really understanding like what I'm looking at. And, um, shout out to Power BI, Microsoft Power BI, really big fan of that tool because, um, that, yeah, that has made it so much easier. Oh my gosh. So much easier. Um, especially in the past couple of years of, of my work life. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been wonderful. Um, so yeah, just, you know, having, having like a cool collected head and, and, and not getting intimidated by that data. That's, that's what I would tell anybody like, 
good luck. <laughs> I hope you can do that. Or like, you'll learn to do that. Um, you know, and it's, it, it gets, you know, I guess it gets, it's a muscle that gets stronger. Um, maybe not, doesn't get any easier to do, but, um, it just becomes kind of a little bit more of an automatic function of your brain. Got it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, uh, you mentioned that you were into comics, uh, you, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I mean, what other stuff did you do for fun? I, I know, I know, I know you're like, a, you know, you're a hardcore punk fan. I mean, what else, what else can you tell the listeners about what you do for fun? I mean, when you're sure. not at, when you're, when you're not conquering the world at work, I mean, what do you, what do you do? For <laughs> what do I do for fun? Um, yeah. yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. I've, I've been like really reconsidering a lot of that um ever since right. uh you know COVID-19 and the pandemic sure. and I think I'm again not alone in this like everyone kind of like was questioning or is questioning sort of like what is worth spending their time on and 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 why um sure. so yeah like you mentioned like uh I'm I'm a huge part of like my local music scene and I, I think you know one of my greatest pleasures in the world is like promoting bands and seeing bands and seeing like up and coming artists and, and, you know, younger kids who, um, you know, are just making things, creating things and, and, you know, it doesn't even have to be good. It's just cool that they're creating it. Um, so I, I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do for fun. I don't know. I spend a lot of time like researching bands I've never heard of and then just like listening awesome. to them. And, um, I used to keep a blog about it, uh, but I, I haven't been doing that lately. Um, and maybe oh. it'll turn into another podcast. I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's always, that's kind of on my, uh, on my to-do list of, of, you know, maybe someday doesn't feel quite like too far off, but I think it, it will come to fruition one day. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what I do for fun. It's like a weird place to be in. Right. Cause like kind of hard to be a punk in advertising or whatever like it's kind of hard to um yeah like fight capitalism while directly promoting capitalism um so this is often a yeah like a, a conundrum I find myself in and um you know yeah I, it's I I think that there is something to it though there's something to like knowing how the systems work and what individuals can do to monetize themselves and like take uh you know control and autonomy over uh over that kind of thing and um especially when it comes to advertising and having tools that allow you to make that happen for yourself uh, and where you don't need to rely on other people uh you know you're able to see the data you're able to craft your narrative and you're able to tell people your own your story. story of like this is the success that i drive for people i think you know especially now i, I know so many people that are uh looking for jobs and stuff like that and and i know the economy is in crazy crazy place right sure. now so just being able to look at like your own information and craft that into some story that you can tell on your resume or an interview you know, maybe you don't have that much information about like how much revenue you drove at a specific quarter or, um, you know, how many, yeah, how, how many like, like victories you, you were kind of able to, to, to see across the finish line. But if you have just like some amount of information, how many, you know, people you were, you, you spoke to in a certain amount of time or how many, um, hits some of your content got like weaving those numbers together and being able to tell that story of, of, you know, self like independence and self-reliance 
for it's it's critical it's critical in terms of like how anyone like can can monetize themselves uh, on the on the the web these days so yeah it's uh I'm, i'm very interested in that intersection i'd like to see sort of where where that's all going um i'm i'm horrified but at the same time excited <laughs> yeah and, and you're kind of in the middle of all that but so i mean nikki where can people uh get in touch with you where can they learn more about you yeah um so i don't have a twitter um mm-hmm. i've been told i should but um i think the best place would be you know shoot me an email um especially if you're in the ad tech space um, my email is Nikki at Seltra.com. That's N-I-K-K-I, two Ks, at Seltra, C-E-L-T-R-A.com. Um, but then, you know, I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm just Nikki Gertner uh, or Nicole Gertner if you're if you're nasty. Um, and, that's, <laughs> and that's, yeah, where you can find me. Um, the the podcast is called uh the seltra podcast that i i produce is called uh media side Side. um and you know hopefully we'll be bringing that back um in the next couple months um but you can find that uh just media side on itunes uh apple all the places where you stream podcasts got it i mean well you know nikki it's been a a huge huge uh enlightening pleasure talking <laughs> I to you hope so. <laughs> i mean like you know you had a very you know as a product marketer you know you brought a very unique perspective to uh you know to me anyway for sure about you know kind of what what you go through the the insights part of it was very very uh you know telling to to, to me you know I, I feel like you know i personally uh you know got a lot out of this so you know just thanks for uh for coming on and you know jamming me a little on this yeah absolutely this is a lot of fun yeah, basically yeah. me just telling everyone that the hard work is really done by other people not <laughs> <laughs> like tldr <laughs> but um no this is great thank you so much for having me on <laughs> yeah i mean and you know like for everybody else who's listening or who you know, will be listening i mean if you learn something today or if you know if you if you laughed at one of nikki's jokes you know just yeah tell someone else about about the podcast and yeah and nikki you know thanks uh thanks again for coming on absolutely thank you yeah, this has been another exciting episode of RevOps 500, and we'll see you all next time. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500. Thanks for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at RevOps500.com. RevOps 500 is sponsored by CompuTech, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing.